0: Hi, I'm Suzy Larson. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast from Live the Promise. There are many more podcasts available up on the website at MyFaithRadio.com. And your support makes this possible. Thank you. Good Afternoon. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I'm Susie Larson, and this is Live the Promise. And we are here to help you engage in a strong and active walk of faith. A very happy Friday to you, and I'm so grateful you're listening today. So here's my question, and I pray it's a thought-provoking one for you. Do you ever find yourself sensing that there's actually more to this life than meets the eye? Actually, more going on in the spiritual realm than you can even imagine. And maybe it's the spectacular sunset that makes you look up, or maybe a kind act from a stranger. It makes you wonder if God's more involved in your story than you realize, or maybe just one of those random aha moments that makes you feel like, you know what, this world is bigger than I realized God's more intimately involved than I ever thought. Well, my guest today is Sheridan Voisine. He's going to help us look and cultivate even a listening ear, and I would say kind of a leaned-in posture so that we can pay attention to those divine moments. If you listen often enough, you know my life verse is Psalm 116.9, and it goes like this. And so I walk in the Lord's presence. As I live here on earth more than anything, because there's nothing like his presence. The scripture says it's in his presence. The fullness of joy is found. And I want nothing more than to be aware of his presence, to walk in step with him, to respond to the nudge of the spirit in the quickest moment possible. Uh, I pray that for myself, and I pray that for you. Well, Sheridan Boise has written a beautiful book titled Unseen Footprints, Encountering the Divine Along the Journey of Life. We've got three copies to get into your hands today. Not taking calls, but you can email to get in on the drawing if you want. If you want to start off with an email here, it's my email address, Susie at myfaithradio.com. Put your name in the subject line. Don't forget your mailing address, and your name will go in the drawing. Let me uh, read an excerpt from Sheridan's book before I get him on the show. He writes this. I wonder how many unseen realities lie beneath the surface of our lives. Most of us have days when we sense that a world of vivid color is out there, but it remains shrouded from us. But through the brush with serendipity, the unexpected surprise, the veil lifts for a moment, and we glimpse the vibrancy of that other world. In that moment, we sense something bigger than us has been encountered, perhaps someone bigger than us. What if coincidences weren't so coincidental? What if serendipitous experiences had been actually arranged just for us? What if unseen footprints walked before us, behind us and beside us? Doesn't that, Those questions just excite you. Ah, boy, they stir up faith in me. Let me tell you about my guest. We'll get him on the show. Sheridan Boise is a writer, international speaker, and broadcaster on faith and spirituality. His books include Resurrection Year and the award-winning Unseen Footprints, which we're talking about today. You can find him on the web at SheridanBoise.com. Dear Sheridan, dear friend, welcome back to the program.
1: It's always good to be with you, Susie. I always so enjoy doing this show and look forward to it every week. So so good to be back with you.
0: Love our conversations. And I know that you've been wrestling through a book behind the scenes and you're showing up, kind of (laughs) battle-weary. I'm a little battle-weary. But what I notice when we have conversations is God stirs up strength and faith in us. And that's just that, to me, is encountering the divine. When you talk to another brother or sister and you care and love Jesus, care about him, he adds strength to our conversation and to our souls in the process, doesn't he?
1: Isn't that true? I mean, there is just something so profound about... Really, what the Apostle Paul was talking about—about you know the whole church being a body—and you know take one part out of the body, and it starts to wither and die. I mean, I felt exactly the same way. Sometimes I'm holed up here in my study, and I'm working on a book or something, and you know I can be very unhealthy about it. Susie, I really can. I can go for days without going outside or anything. Very, very bad. I really should change it. But just this week, I had a wonderful Skype conversation with a dear, dear friend, and it just changed things. There is just something about when you have a a conversation with somebody that you know and you love and you share God's spirit together, that you feed each other. There's uh, theres three of you in the room, not just hmm. two. And I fully agree with what you say. There's just something life-giving in that. And I pray it's it's uh, shared as much, not just three ways, but maybe four ways amongst uh, you, me, God, and our listeners
0: today. Amen. Amen. Well, I know you came armed with a passage, and I think it's foundational to this book, Unseen Footprints. Give us that verse, if you would.
1: Yeah, it's it's a verse out of Psalm 77, which is, uh, you know, basically a song written by Asaph, one of Israel's chief worship leaders, always millennia ago, and uh, particularly verse 19. So Psalm 77, verse 19, and this is where at the end of his wrestle, he says this, "...your path led through the sea, your way through the mighty waters, though your footprints were not seen." I love the verse. It's been an inspiring verse for me for what literally now about 10 or 11 years because it speaks to both the seeker and the doubter. So the seeker, the person who's not too sure about God and faith or Christianity or things like that, but they just sense there's got to be something more to this life than just going to work and living and dying. Uh, And it it speaks to them because it says, yes, there is something more. There are unseen footprints that walk in and around your life. And it speaks to the doubter because Asaph was in a moment of deep doubt when he wrote this song. Uh, He basically talks about... Standing there at night Stretching out untiring hands Crying out to God And his soul refused to be comforted He's going through a dark time He's not too sure where God is in this And as you read through the whole of the psalm You find him getting warmer and warmer And warmer to God And finally with the great crescendo Your path led through the sea Your way through the mighty waters Though your footprints were not seen The greatest events of Israel's history Particularly the exodus Was always led by a God who was unseen God is always unseen But that doesn't mean he's unreal or not present in our lives.
0: Wow, so good. One of my memory verses comes out of Psalm 73, Psalm 73:23. Yet I still belong to you. You are holding my right hand. You will keep on guiding me with your counsel, leading me on to a glorious destiny. I love the word yet, Sheridan, because sometimes when I speak at women's conferences, I have women write down all the cares of their soul. And then in a capital, you know, yet, write that. And then write the verse up. Because it's like these things might be true, but truer still is I still belong to you. You are holding my right hand. You will lead me on to a glorious destiny. Maybe speak to that person who hasn't considered the yet? Because the, their trials are just screaming in their face, and and it, it hasn't maybe even occurred to them that there are unseen footprints around them.
1: Yeah, what a great word, yet. And I think that would be the best advice I could echo is write that word yet, write it down, write it on your hand, yet, God, (laughs) but God, despite everything else. And you know what? We don't want to in any way be flippant about these kinds of things. Um, Susie, you know exactly what uh, these kinds of depths when you're walking through these kinds of valleys can be like. And that may well be the case for our listener listening right now, the depths. And you've cried out just like Asaph. I, I cried out on tiring hands. Uh, I've had seasons like that that have last, lasted for months, so sometimes the journey can last for a little while, but he is present, and wait, and you will see the glory of the Lord.
0: Mm, wow, wait, and you will see the glory of the Lord. Talk about uh, what, how God just inspired you to write this book. I mean, what happened first for you, Sheridan, in your own personal life where you thought, I've got to get this down on paper?
1: Yeah, it's a really interesting story, actually. This is, I'm so, you know, it's an absolute godsend when, as an author, you are given a book by God that uh, actually survives beyond a couple of years. Mm. And so it continues to be in print. So this is the fourth edition that's just come out of this Unseen Footprints. And Mm. it was an absolute godsend from the beginning. I was working on a completely different book, which I'd been researching for years which subsequently never got published. And then out of the blue, a different publisher, all kind of basically out of the blue, just dropped me an email and said, like your work, they've been reading some magazine articles I'd done or something. Uh, If you've ever got a book burning within you, why don't we talk? And I had this other project going on with another publisher and so I said, well, you know, I've got this one going on, but that seems to be tied up. But I do have this one idea. And, you know, Susie, I had no notes written out for it. I had no research done for it. What I did have was just a strong inkling that there needed to be a book written for the spiritual seeker, the person who just didn't have all the answers that, you know, we are going to be talking about today. They were just way back before that. And they might be attending New Age seminars. They might be reading lots of self-help books. They might be getting into Deepak Chopra courses. They might be watching Oprah every day. Those kinds of people who are just looking for some sort of spirituality, some sort of meaning in their life, but they weren't where I was. And I was wondering if there was something I could do to help them find what I had found, to help them start to spot God's unseen footprints in their life. So, you know, I had a... A bunch of ideas and I just sat down and started working on it and it just started to flow it was still hard work of course but it started to flow and that's really where Unseen Footprints came and then it won an award in Australia and 10 years later it continues to be in print and I've heard of literally people who have been in the New Age movement that have read it those people who have been seeking as well as Christians who have just kind of wanted to have some sort of refreshment about their spiritual life getting some uh, benefit and value out of it as well so I'm very grateful that it's uh, it's still around because mm. it doesn't always uh, it's not always the case with, with with books.
0: Indeed. Wow. So happy for you and isn't that just so telling that you were wrestling over here on, around a book and you did what you could and then God said here this is the way walk in it <laughs> <Yes. clears throat> so beautiful and it
1: makes you you know it's a hard one it, because all the other times that I'm researching a book part of me goes oh is this not going to get to print and it's going to be the, unse-, you know, the, the unseen footprints the next one that's going to come along the one that I haven't even been thought of that, uh, that is going to be the one that actually makes it so you know it, it can often leave you uh, wondering just what God's plan is and you know it, it, sometimes you're holding on by the seat of your pants this whole life of faith
0: indeed Indeed, indeed, Here's another excerpt. And you asked these questions at the beginning of the book. And I, you know, I got to say, they felt like a sacred invitation to me and I'd love for you to speak to them. You're right. This book is about opening our spiritual eyes to see the activities of the divine around us. Could life flow right beneath our noses? Could we have had such encounters with the divine that we haven't yet recognized as such? So my question for you, Sheridan, is how do we miss him, and how has your own walk of faith changed as you started to ponder these questions that there's more going on than meets the eye?
1: Yeah. Well, I was inspired to kind of write those after hearing a story of something very, very natural that kind of illustrates this whole point. I, for a period of time, lived in Western Australia, one of the driest regions that there are. I mean, most of Western Australia is sand. And the capital city, Perth, is literally the most isolated city in the world. Wonderful city, Uh, one and a half million people. I think the whole of Western Australia is only about two, two and a half million people. Uh, But there was this amazing find that researchers had found this underground basin in the great victoria desert and if you would walked up the top of this desert you would have seen red sand and sticks and scrub and that's all you would have seen for literally thousands of miles but beneath that desert lay what they discovered was this giant water basin and it was Millions upon millions upon millions of litres of water. Mm. It was 31,000 times the size of the weir that uh, basically supplied Perth with all of its water. So here you had. You know, if you were walking on the top, you would never have known what 's l- literally beneath your nose and I use that as an illustration in the book to say this is exactly what it 's like with God. We can be walking along the world, you know walking along in the world and walking through our lives, and we see only the surface right beneath our noses, right around us god 's unseen footprints lie now God, by his very nature, is not visible. God the Father is not a thing. He's not matter. He's not a he's not a, a human being. He is a person. But we're told in the Gospel of John that you know he is spirit. By his very nature, he cannot be seen unless he chooses to manifest himself in some sort of particular way. So God is unseen, and so we can expect that the work he's going to do is going to require a little bit more detection. Hmm. And so that's where we start looking for things, coincidences in our life. That's where we start paying attention to some of the words that people say to us when we're not expecting it. Uh, that's where we start, even if you're not a person of faith, you start experimenting with prayer and just Uh, Hey, you've got nothing to lose. Just putting a prayer out there and saying, God, if you're there, well, here's the need that I have. Here's the situation I'm in. Can you help? Hmm. And see what happens.
0: See what happens. Talking to radio broadcaster, author Sheridan Boise about his book, Unseen Footprints, Encountering the Divine Along the Journey of Life. We've got three copies. Not taking calls, but love to get your name in the drawing. Email me, Susie at myfaithradio.com. Put your name in the subject line, Don't forget your mailing address. More with Sheridan Boise when we return. that, that Jesus is chasing after you? Do you believe that goodness and mercy follow you all the days of your life and you'll dwell in his house forever if you're in Christ Jesus? Thanks for tuning in. I'm Susie Larson. This is Live the Promise, talking to radio broadcaster and author Sheridan Boise. Title of his book: Unseen Footprints, Encountering the Divine Along the Journey of Life. Not taking calls today, so I'd love for you to have a chance to get your name on the drawing. So email me Susie at myfaithradio.com. Put your name in the subject line. Don't forget your mailing address. Your name will go in the drawing. Three of you get a copy of this great book. But one of the things Sheridan talks about is just for us to be opening our eyes because there's activities of the divine all around us and so often they go unnoticed. I quoted I quote uh, Elizabeth Barrett Browning, I've actually probably quoted her too many times on this show, but that one passage and I think you have it in your book as well. But she says, Earth is crammed with heaven, every common bush a fire with God. Only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest just sit around and pluck blackberries. And that is such a visual, isn't it, Sheridan, of how people race right by those sacred moments. How do you cultivate a lifestyle that compels you to notice and then take off your shoes yes the
1: taking off the shoes i think is the first part isn't it yeah i mean we hear that and we of course go back to the experience that moses had when he saw the burning bush and he was called by god out of the burning bush to take off his shoes because this is holy ground but you know what I think uh, for those of us who, you know, are starting to think through spiritual things and may not be a person of faith yet, but just wondering, I think part of it is taking off your shoes and slowing down and actually just taking time to attend to the natural world. I think there is something so powerful about attending to nature, fauna, and flora. Uh, to actually see the animal world, to see uh, flowers, to smell the scents, to just take some time to slow down and do all these things. You know, when Jesus gave his famous Sermon on the Mount and he was talking to a bunch of people who weren't too sure where their food was coming from the next day and weren't too sure about what they were going to eat or drink or what they were going to wear. He said, don't worry about these things. Trust in your Father to provide them for you. Look at the natural world and see how God provides for it. Look at the way that he close the, the fields with all the flowers and look at the way he provides for the birds with uh, all of the food that they need and so there is a sense in which if we just take time to simply start with nature and look at the wonder of it we will start to we will start to spot God's presence echoed in it reflected through it and indeed I believe God's unseen footprints around it mm.
0: there's a psalm I'm probably not going to get it exactly right but it says something like He binds up the brokenhearted, heals up their wounds. He put the stars in place and called them each by name. And that juxtaposition of the intimacy with which he attends to our wounds and then the majesty of putting the stars in place is so fantastic to me. And Sheridan, you know, we hear stories of of certain religions where people worship creation, where they worship the sun and they worship the stars. And I think as Christians, you hear that and you almost throw the baby out with the bathwater going, I don't want to behold these things in nature because i don't even want it to seem like i'm doing that but earth you know earth is is crammed with heaven i mean there, yeah. heavens display the glory of god on earth so speak to that that we can stop and gasp at a flower and notice the sunset and it can compel us to worship versus worshiping the creation
1: oh i mean well, right now you know the earth is spinning at a thousand miles an hour and the moon is spinning around us at 2600 miles an hour. And then we are spinning around the sun together at I think it's 230,000 miles an hour. And then that sun is one of literally 200 million other suns in the Milky Way and trillions of other planets in just our galaxy. Mm. And that galaxy is one of literally at least 100 billion other galaxies in the universe that are all flying at a million miles an hour in all sorts of directions as the universe kind of spreads out like an oil slick. Now, I find that absolutely awe inspiring and gobsmacking. Now, here's the really interesting thing the scientists who know all about this, they all talk about the whole of this universe, everything in it, including us sitting here and having this conversation, really relying on six numbers for us to be here living speaking talking and listening to the radio six numbers one of those numbers is the strength of gravity if gravity was literally just a notch or two stronger or a notch or two weaker everything would literally dissolve within a millisecond Hmm. now six numbers Lots of people, both people of faith and people that aren't of faith. I think of Paul Davies, who's not a Christian, who's a scientist, who's looked at these six numbers, and he's started to wonder, indeed, whether, in fact, there is a a grand designer behind the whole thing, because it is so perfectly, intricately, finely tuned for life. That is one of the whispers of God. That is one of the the ways that we can see his presence, his unseen footprints, as you you like, uh, in the world. That we, the very fact we're here, and the very fact that this whole amazing swirling series of carousels of galaxies that's just twirling around the universe doesn't collide into each other and doesn't go crazy or just dissolve into matter just at the blink of an eye, is because it's held together by the very hand of God. And as Proverbs 8 talks about, it's designed by the wisdom of God. All of that is something to take notice of.
0: So how do you, we've got about two minutes before our hard bottom of the hour break, Sheridan, but how do you do that? How do you walk out in your daily life with all the demands on your shoulders? How do you cultivate moments where you look up, look out?
1: You know, there has got to be some time where you say, I will stop and I will not work anymore, even if it's just for half an hour and you walk out at night and you look up at the stars and you start to see just just a pinprick of how many thousands of lights that are out there that're just uh, an echo of how many literally trillions and trillions and trillions of planets are out there we the, the greatest problem that we have in modern society is that we just have a 24-hour culture and yes, we try and get our seven hours of hours of sleep a night, but we are go, go, go all the time, whether it's been dropping off the kids or picking them up or taking them off to band practice or extracurricular activities or whether we're squeezing every single minute out of the day to try and make another deal or make another sale. There's got to be a moment that we stop. And I, I really do believe, Susie, that this is one of the reasons why that God in his <laughs> wisdom, you know, way back was thousands of years ago when he was... Uh, giving Moses the Ten Commandments, he put in that one day of rest to stop, to stop, because once we stop, then it allows the sediment, if you like, to settle, and it allows the water to clear, and it's once the sediment settles, the water clears, we can start to see through that to start to get clarity on our lives, and start to see these little things. Why is it that I have this particular this continual longing that there has got to be something more to life than my job when I thought my job was going to be the ultimate fulfillment of my deepest desires because it's the best job that I've ever ever had. Why is it that this great marriage I have is just not enough? Why is it that there is something about that sunset that just burns into my soul when I get the time to look at it why is it and that's when we have time to attend to these little whispers these little yearnings these little signs that we were made for heaven and that heaven was made to be in us that's when we start to see it when we stop now if you can't give a whole day right now okay just start with half an hour tonight when you get home walk out look up at those stars don't do anything don't check the phone don't take a phone call, switch the phone off just quietly ponder.
0: More with Sheridan Voise when we return. Song today. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Susie Larson. This is Of the Promise, talking with Sheridan Voise about his book Unseen Footprints, Encountering the Divine Along the Journey of Life. Have you done that before where you just look up into the sky or you look out on a lake or you watch a child play? And God just quickens your heart and he, he says, Yeah, you know, I'm in this. I've got something for you here. Don't you love that? Well, Sheridan says God is at work in ways we can't even fathom, and and he's more often speaking to us than we even realize. But we need to cultivate a listening life, a watching life, a noticing life. Well, the title of this book is Unseen Footprints, Encountering the Divine Along the Journey of Life. would love to get a copy into your hands. We've got three copies to give away. Let's do this. We're not taking calls today, so email me, Susie, at myfaithradio.com. Put your name in the subject line. Include your mailing address in the body of the email. Your name will go in a drawing. Three of you get a copy of this great book. Let's talk for a moment about pain and seeing and hearing God in the pain because pain is so painful. <laughs> Did I just say the obvious thing? But i gotta, I got to read this excerpt from your book, Sheridan. You said, pain grips us by the shoulders, Looks us straight in the eye and screams, you cannot ignore me. You must deal with the questions I'm raising. And then you further write, yes, the world's greatest treasures, masterpieces, and breakthroughs are birthed when someone stares back into the face of pain, submits to its interrogation, and then addresses its desperate questions. Say more if you would.
1: Well, I mean, the the last thing is kind of key there, that we actually do face it. Uh, There's a great line from Linus, one of the great Peanuts characters, Mm -hmm. that he said, no problem is so big or complicated that it cannot be run away from. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, so often we do that. And, you know, I think this goes back to what we were talking about before the break, Susie, that, you know, half the reason why we don't spot God's unseen footprints in our lives is because we're just so distracted. But actually, sometimes the distraction is purposeful, right? I mean, you know, we might want to – there is so much spiritual longing out there. I see it everywhere we go. You just spend a bit of time going through the shopping center, and you will find that it's so often a – it's the new cathedral. We go to the shopping center to go and buy a new us, to go and buy a new identity, to feel better about ourselves. We call it retail therapy. Now, actually, that's distraction. That's – giving ourselves an opportunity to run away from the problem that seems too big for us by going and you know, buying some food or buying a new dress or, you know, buying a new car or whatever it might be to try and fill what is ultimately a spiritual longing. We've got to face it. And the pain comes in two or three different forms. Now obviously there's the, the physical pain but then there's often the emotional or relational pain that that triggers a spiritual search, and again, originally writing unseen footprints for people who don't have any Christian faith that are just wondering if there's something more out there, and yet seeing the amazing variety of spiritual paths that people take to try and find some sort of meaning and whether it be the teenage girl that is dabbling with wicca which is apparently quite popular at the moment or whether it be uh, the suburban mother who is just trying out meditation and yoga or all those kinds of eastern practices just to try and get some peace or maybe it be the cancer sufferer that is going on some sort of psycho- psychic development courses i mean all of these are literal people that i've written about in the book. Uh, who have gone on exactly these kinds of things. I think about a guy named Paul that I knew, named yeah, a guy named Paul who was 31. He had a drug addiction, a failing business, and he started searching for answers by consulting spirit guides. So the fact is, lots of us are on a spiritual journey. Not everybody that we know is turning to Jesus Francis, but the journey is there, the longing is there, And it's got got to be directed to its ultimate fulfillment, which I've now come to believe is God in the flesh. Uh, jesus christ of nazareth Mm. so pain is what kind of trips starts the spiritual journey for so many people it might be the pain of an aching heart it may just be the pain of emptiness there's got to be something more to us and if we face it it can start to take us somewhere get us to answer some approach some big questions ask some big questions of our lives and in fact i would then slip in the big question is there a god who has some answers to the problem of the world and has a way out of it in including the pain that I feel in my own
0: soul. Well, Sheridan, you're no stranger to suffering and to not getting what you want from God and walking through the valley of the shadow and learning how to navigate that place from a heart of faith. What are some of the most important things you've learned about God in the places and the valleys of the shadow that you've walked through?
1: Oh, wow. Now, now we can get going. <laughs> there's, been a lot of, there's been a lot of that and, of course, this is really the subject of uh, another book called Resurrection Year that we've talked about. When my wife and I went through a decade of infertility and just the big questions that we had, you know, so many big questions. If God was good and loving, why would he keep us waiting like this? Could we really trust him with our prayers? Uh, Sheridan asking himself, if you were more of a person of faith, maybe you'd see more breakthrough. And so I turned in on myself, uh, really beating myself up that maybe I just wasn't faithful enough enough. Full of conviction enough, wasn't fasting enough, or whatever it might be. That somehow the problem was my fault, not just biologically but spiritually. And you know, Susie, I don't want to go through those ten years again. uh, And nobody who's listening to us, and you included, want to go through the dark valleys again. They are horrific. But I tell you, I think of two, three times in my life where there have been those dark valleys, and they've been followed followed by the greatest of growth and transformation in my spiritual life and huge transitions into new seasons of service to others. I think of a time when I was a youth pastor in a church. And uh, Susie, <laughs> I lasted all of eighteen months before I burnt out. Hmm. I just I burnt out. Typical, you know, youth pastor yep. syndrome. I I just burnt out. I, I think I learned from that experience that I was pastorally oriented and I, you know I longed to teach and preach and help people to find faith and grow in faith. But I wasn't I wasn't built to be a youth pastor. I was not able to sleep at night and things spiralled out of control fairly quickly. And you know I wrestled for eighteen months following that trying to work out was this the devil was this God moving me on was just me being weak what was it and you know that started to birth books like Unseen Footprints that started to birth uh, some new seasons in radio ministry that, that hadn't happened before that started to birth some significant articles that I wrote about success what is success from a Christian perspective what is failure all my best work started to happen out of that season as a result of going through that 10 years of infertility Oh, my goodness, even thinking about it, you know, sends shivers up my spine. Mm. As a result of going through that, the Resurrection Year book came out. Now, that has touched thousands of people. It hasn't become a bestseller, but it's touched thousands of people and given them new hope to start again in a way that I never could have planned. I couldn't have written a book that could rival that. And it was the story of us starting again from our own broken dream. And I think of a time that I write about in Unseen Footprints. I was at Bible College. So I'd become a Christian. So the story that kind of really you find ending in the end of Unseen Footprints, I'd become a Christian, felt this call to follow God, and I was going to Bible college to learn about the Bible, to be equipped to be a person of faith who could have some sort of uh, gifts and talents and influence into the world and help to bring it to faith too. And I went through a deep season of doubt. Now, of all places, to start doubting God's existence, why was it a Bible college? <laughs> Not Theological <convenient>. college. Not <laughs> convenient at all. <laughs> you know, and you know, Susie, it wasn't some, you know, theologically questionable Bible college. It wasn't at all. It was a good, solid Bible-believing college. I was around good, faith-filled people but I think I just read so many different interpretations of verses, and I read so many different commentaries, I started to wonder whether anybody had the truth about anything anymore, and I think that season of doubt lasted about three months, and it was dark, really, really dark during that time. And then I went out to a park on the Brisbane River, a little park called South Bank, and I I had I tried to pray before, but then I'd stopped, and I just I had nothing left in me. And I went out, and I took a notepad, a pen, and my Bible, and I thought, I'm just going to sit here and wait for God to do something. And I flicked open to Psalm 77, the psalm that uh, we started the show on. And I started reading the words of Asaph. I cried out to God to help me. I cried out to God to hear me when I was in distress. I sought the Lord at night. I stretched out untiring hands, and my soul refused to be comforted. And I thought, "That's me, that's me." I could feel the resonance in my own soul. Asaph goes on to say, "You kept my eyes from closing, and I'd been suffering from insomnia. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the long, the years of long ago, when I remembered my songs in the night." my heart mused and my spirit inquired after that and i remembered too the days when my love for god had been so passionate and my faith had been so vibrant and then i was wondering yeah where had it all gone and then asaph starts asking some questions of himself he says will the lord reject forever has his unfailing love vanished has god forgotten to be merciful he asks these questions and of course when he follows it through to the end ultimately the answer is no of course the lord won't reject forever his unfailing love hasn't vanished god hasn't forgotten to be merciful he can't forget anything and that's when you start seeing the turn of uh tone in asaph's song and he starts to say your ways, O God, are holy. What God is so great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You displayed your power among the people. And what he basically does is he remembers the greatest event in Israel's history, which is the Exodus, when probably about two million people were freed from Egyptian slavery and taken on a journey that ultimately ended to in the Promised Land, and then taken into the, this brand new life with God. And basically... Asaph just remembers the things that he could remember of God's presence in his life, the times where he knew that he knew that he knew that God was there. And for him, that was the Exodus. He goes back to that event. And so I started to do the same thing with that notepad. I started writing down all the times that I knew that I knew that I knew that God had been present in my life when I became a Christian, when I had that uncanny coincidence in my life when those people said exactly the right thing that I really needed to hear at that time. And I started writing those all down in that notepad. And, you know, I walked out of that park that night, Susie, feeling as if God's hand was on my shoulder, that Mm. he was present again, because I'd gone back and I'd kind of grounded it in what I knew, that I knew, that I knew, that God doesn't change and that he had been present in my life and he was the proof. And I would walk on trusting that he still was. And indeed, that's when things
0: changed for me. I feel like you've just given me a cup of cold water and I know plenty of friends listening today feel the same way just your ministry of of your own journey and the truth that came out of that and And you make such a good point, Sheridan. When God, you know, when pain screams and shouts at us, we want to remember the days of long ago. But so often, as you say, that's a narrow path, a narrow place, a narrow channel that takes us to a spacious place. There is no way around it. We have to go through it. And somehow, in those places, we have to say, Is God still good here? Will He fulfill His promise to sustain me? Um, but I don't you feel at times, Sheridan, because we long for the days long ago. We try to take shortcuts um, from that place, and we short circuit our spiritual growth.
1: Yes, I think you're right. I think we can take shortcuts. I think we can we want to kind of push God along a bit, um, kind of do the Moses thing and kind of try and make things happen, or Abraham make try and things happen mm-hmm. on our own, <laughs> of or, or, or our own bat, rather than kind of waiting on God. Now, there is a paradox here, isn't there? We are not called only to be uh, just people who are quietly sitting in our room waiting for God to act. We are called to be actively waiting. And again, I think of Jesus' words where he says, ask and it will be given to you and seek and you will find and knock and the door will be opened to you. There is a active waiting where in the present moment where we are wrestling and we are waiting to go, for God to come through, we do still move forward and we, we knock on some doors and it might be medical doors or it might be spiritual doors. We start talking to some, uh, Christian counselors or we t- talk to our pastor or whatever it might be, start having some deep vulnerable conversations with people that we know we can trust with what we, uh, we share with them. Um, we keep on moving forward we do knock on doors but we don't shortcut we don't try and push we don't try and cajole we don't try and manipulate we are still waiting for god and in the midst of this if we can just hold this in our minds in our hearts today in the midst of all this nothing that you're feeling right now is going to be wasted Mm. all of it will be recycled by the hand of god into something so rich and something so surprising that you will look back in the years to come and it may well be years i wish it was sooner but it may well be sooner than that but it could well be a little while but you'll be able to look back and go i may not have all the answers i may not know why god kept us waiting i may not know why he didn't come through in the way that i was hoping he would come through but my goodness look what happened as a result look at the ministry that's happened out of it. Look mm. at who I am as a result of it and look who, how deep I know God as a result of going through that wilderness.
0: Mm. So good. Talking to Sheridan Voicey, when we return, we're going to explore John the Baptist when he'd seen God work but suddenly now he finds himself in prison starting to ask the question and he sends his guys to go ask Jesus, are you who you say you are? Even though he saw the Holy Spirit, he saw the smile of heaven on jesus maybe you're there where you're feeling like i know i've seen things but i'm doubting what i've seen and and then god invites us remember in the darkness what i told you in the light we're going to see what we can learn from john the baptist story and wrap up our conversation with sheridan when we return Bible says daily the heavens pour forth speech, you know. Daily the heavens pour forth speech and we can see God's fingerprints, his footprints sometimes, sometimes we can't. But that's why we need to slow down, stop our striving. And better know that he is God, because he is speaking, he is moving, he's intervening. I think he's even leading us when we're unaware. And Talking to Sheridan Boise today, he's got a beautiful book titled Unseen Footprints, Encountering the Divine Along the Journey of Life. It's in its fourth reprint, which is pretty amazing. We've got three copies to give away today. Email me, Susie at myfaithradio.com. Put your name in the subject line. Don't forget your mailing address in the email. Your name will go in a drawing, and three of you will get a copy. It'll show up in your mailbox. We don't—we get so many emails, I'm not able to respond to every one. So you won't get a reply. You'll just find the book in your mailbox. I hope it's you. So Sheridan, let's talk for a moment about John the Baptist. That's that's a story I've camped in off and on this last year because it's given me such courage and comfort. But, you know, John is sitting in prison um, knowing his execution awaits him, and he sends his friends to ask Jesus, are you the one? And Jesus, it seems he responds with compassion and conviction to say, in my paraphrase, but, you know, you've seen the, the blind see and the lame walk. And uh, and then he further says, you know, that he's performing miracles. And then he says, blessed are you who are not offended by me. And for me, the Lord just really drew three points out. Remember what you've seen, right? And and, and remember that. And don't forget, believe now, even though you cannot see that I'm still working And then guard and keep your heart free. Those are my three things because it is tempting when it seems the heavens have closed over me and everybody else seems to be skating through life to to get disillusioned with God and then to doubt what you've once seen and heard. So maybe speak to that if you would.
1: You know, we normally think of doubt as a bad thing. And we've got some good biblical reasons to do that because, you know, forever through the Gospels, you know, Jesus is chiding the disciples about their doubt, about their lack of faith. But really that's talking about, you know, you don't you don't trust me. You've got me right in front of you and you don't trust me. Philosophically, doubt is not a bad thing. As such, it, 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 it can actually be a very good thing. If I'm in error, I want to doubt my error so I can find truth. Doubt is really a hallway between two rooms— And if we move from one room to the other, we're going to have to go through doubt to to get there. And I want to move from error to truth. I want to move from a small understanding of God to a big understanding of God. And that normally takes us through the hallway of doubt. Now, I think that's part of what's going on with that little interaction with John the Baptist there. John the Baptist, he had some idea as to what the Messiah would look like when the Messiah came. And then... Well, here he is. He's imprisoned himself. John the Baptist is imprisoned, and he's, he's, he's Jesus is not kind of playing out by the script of what he thought the Messiah should be should be doing, and and how he should be coming, and how he should be starting to quickly, you know, take take control and be this great political Messiah that would change everything overnight for Israel. And so he says, Yeah, are you really the one, or should we expect somebody else? And so what's happening there? is his understanding about who the Messiah was was actually going through a transformation, And indeed, as you said, Susie, Jesus takes him back to Luke 4, basically takes him back to his mission statement and says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoner and recovery of the sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. John, you know that this is exactly the mission statement of the Messiah. And John, each line of that, which you heard me say, each line of that you've seen come out in reality in my life. John, go deeper. Mm. I may not fulfill everything that you've thought about the Messiah would look like when I when he came, but I am he because of this. So both J- Jesus is using John the Baptist's doubt to take him deeper into who he is. And I think that is the positive thing that we can take out of our own experiences of whether it be God's silence to us for a period of time, whether it be just the rough and tumble of life that has us wondering whether God, number one, is there or number two cares, is that it's an invitation to let go of small thinking and embrace big thinking and go deeper into the very nature and heart of God and God in human flesh, Jesus.
0: And that's so good because in those narrow channels, as we were talking before the break, in those places of pain, there's always an invitation to know him more, to go deeper. Um, we want immediate relief, and God wants transformation. Maybe make the distinction, if you would, between lament and offense, because Jesus is blessed are those who are not offended by me. And, and he can handle our lament and our questions. But I, 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 you know, I have enough of a fear of God to be careful not to cross over to this flippant, I'm so mad at God right now, to me, just because I, you know, he's the star-breathing God. I, I would love for you just to make that distinction, if you would.
1: Yeah, I've explored that in the last book. We were kind of talking together about resilience. Uh, that, that this is new to me. I have to say, Susie, this is whole this whole thing is new to me. I have not uh, been in churches that have really focused much on lament, and yet there are numerous psalms throughout the the whole of the Psalter that are lament psalms, and some of them are really quite quite blatant, you know. But the, the classic line is, "God, why?" where oh god are you you know why do you wait why do you wait to move and you know i think that might be a really good guide for us to move along in the biblically allowed language of lament that is able to honestly say to god god i just don't get it i do not get why you're not coming through right now i don't understand why you don't move faster and not move into as you were talking about the offense where there is this this self-focused sense of I am the one in charge here and God you'll sit down and take a a listen to me and take a note out of my book that's when we've completely moved over the line and you know what I think the guidance is to take one of those lament psalms and uh, if you do a, a, a search in a concordance you'll find them easily take one of those lament psalms and use that as your prayer let that guide your words let that take the emotions and the questions that you have and give words to them sometimes words that you didn't even realize you had or wanted to speak that's the amazing thing about the psalms is they can they can breathe out emotions and feelings and questions and doubts that we didn't even have the words for can provide those words take them up and become our prayer for us i think that can be a really good thing so it gets it out of our soul gets it out before the heart of god gets it before his eyes uh, he can see it anyway, but it simply gets it out before us in an honest way before him.
0: And it seems that with lament, your heart is still turned towards God. Your heart is still receptive and open to God, where offense is you've turned away. You've, you've shut your heart down, and so you won't hear him or see him in the way that you would if you kept your heart open towards him, right?
1: Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I think that's a really good definition. When you, your heart goes cold... And, you know, uh, we we probably all had our cold-hearted moments. Mm -hmm. My wife, uh, after going through our journey of infertility, you know, she was a bit cold there toward God. There was never a time that she was basically telling God off or anything like that. But she was feeling pretty cold there towards God for really what would be three or four years, I'd say. And she's warmed up again mm. now and you know that that's the thing is it's just staying in the room it's just staying in his presence you may be staying there gritting your teeth you may be staying there with a whole bunch of doubts but you are staying in the room marin and i have uh a little thing we have try to bring into our marriage when we're having a, an argument is we stay sitting on the couch because normally one or both of us wants to leave the room and go and shut ourselves in a bedroom or something. If we just stay on the couch having the conversation as difficult as it is and just stay present, we will work it through and we will grow deeper together in our marriage. I think exactly the exact same thing works out with our relationship wow. with God.
0: So if you're tempted to be offended, stay in the room, keep yourself in His presence he can handle your questions this has been so fantastic would you pray for that person for whom it feels the sky has shut up and and jesus has been silent that they need a fresh glimpse of glory would you pray for them
1: lord thank you that you hear our prayer even if we're not too sure you're listening you do every one of them is listened to every one of them is cherished Uh, Lord your word says you count every hair on our head you basically bottle every tear that we shed and sometimes we can't see it we can't feel it but Lord we stand out in faith and we say we believe that and so I pray for my brother, my sister who's listening now and is wrestling through this dark moment and I ask Lord that you would work powerfully in their lives and in this moment that you would bring them to a deeper sense of who you are And what you're about to do in their lives and i pray lord that there would be a great sense of freedom and liberation that comes in the days to come as they walk through the valley with you and later on are able to look back and say my goodness it didn't work out the way i was expecting but look at what happened as a result look at who i am look at how who i know god to be things have changed because god was faithful
0: In Jesus' name, amen. Hope you were encouraged as I was today, and I'll meet you back here next time.